I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. This is the best podcast available. Episode number 16, Jeff McDaniel spinning the dials behind the little logo there and keeping us on the air and putting together a great product in and out as we work our way through the Browns 2021 offseason coming up on the show today. Browns rookie defensive tackle Tommy Togiai from the Ohio State University will join us coming up in just a few minutes. Gribbs, mandatory minicamp still on track for the week of June 14th. We're into this next OTA phase, though, right now. What does that mean? I think right now you're in the part of the schedule that is supposed to be the traditional OTAs, however you want to call that. I think a lot of teams are doing a lot of different things, the, the Browns included. Um, so we'll see how this evolves over the next couple of weeks. Um, but it all builds up to the mandatory minicamp, which is currently scheduled for mid-June. Some teams have adjusted those dates after negotiations with, with players. But uh, as far as, as we know, it's it's still locked in for that mid-June point. And that kind of serves as your final bit of football uh, before late July when, when the guys get back on the field for, for training camp. Uh, and that should look, we hope, as, as normal as, as it's ever been. Well, let's get yeah. to that point. Yeah, let, let's hope so. Let's, let's indeed hope so. So that's where we stand. You know, a lot of things are happening virtually with this football team. They continue to happen virtually. Good news. We did it a year ago virtually, and it worked out just fine. We'll see how things continue to play out here in the coming days and coming weeks as teams work with the players to try to figure out some solutions to uh, – to the workouts and some of these other things that uh, that I know the players have some concerns about. And frankly, I think the teams have some concerns about as well. Most improved position on this team must be a position and not a room, Andrew Gribble. So a position, but not a room. That is, yes. a, that is a very specific question. So it can't be like the defensive line. It can't Correct. be linebackers. Yes. And, and the reason why I'm asking the roster pretty close to being set in terms of what we're going to see uh, when training camp does start, there's going to be a few moves here and there, but for the most part, we know the 90 guys that are coming to Berea in late July. Listen, I, I think this one is simple for me, and I, I, it only took really the injection of one player, but it's really a really, really good player. So I'm going to pick safety, and I think that last year, I think it was an area where this defense struggled a little bit. I, I don't think you had the consistency you wanted out of that position. I, I don't think that the group made enough plays. Like, you want the kind of safeties are kind of your big playmakers, and I just don't think enough big plays were made at that position. You bring in John Johnson III, who's one of the best players in the NFL at that position. That's an instant, gives you some clout there. You bring back an ascending player in Ronnie Harrison, who had a really good year, uh, had a couple injuries that limited him. But you look at his history, he usually is on the field for most of the season. You expect that next year. And then you inject Grant Delpit into that room, which right now he's on track to, to be back for the season. And all of a sudden, you went from a position group that, with the guys you had last year struggled to then hit in the off season where you didn't know whoever, how many were coming back. And now all of a sudden it's a position that looks pretty set to the point where you're now like, how do we get three of them on the field when you usually only have two? And I, I think that's a testament to just the difference that one guy can make. But John Johnson is that guy. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a top bill free agent, a guy that most times would not have been a free agent, but the Rams had a cap situation. So the Browns benefit, and I think that room gets a major upgrade because of it. 
All right. We talk about offense wanting to be 50-50 run pass. What's the way to measure defense? I mean, in terms of, you know, defending the pass, defending the run, is it 50-50? Is it 60-40? Where do you size up this defensive room? I mean, this is tough because defense has changed so much in the NFL, like with what you view as good, like what, and it's, it's almost like it's hard to like quantify what's going to make a good defense. Cause some of the best defenses don't rank all that great in all the best categories, but they seem to make plays where it matters. And I, I look at a team like Tampa Bay last year that just really got better and better as the season went on. And I think ultimately in the NFL, if you want to be able to win, to win when it matters and really with what the Browns are facing, I think you've just got to be among the best at stopping the pass. Because I think if you're maybe not as great against the run, but you're still winning games, I think you can survive. It's just that you can't be picked apart through the air anymore because I think the teams that truly can limit the pass, they're put, they're setting themselves up for great success. And I think that's been a point of emphasis this offseason. You look at all the moves the Browns made defensively, it's, it, it looks like it's geared to slow down teams through the air. The Browns are really good at stopping the run last year. And I think it paid off in certain situations. I think most notably the, the game against the Titans, but it's the, it's being able to slow a team down through the air that I just think makes all the difference. And I, I think you can do that. It leads to more turnovers, which I think the Browns played great defensive games when they were able to force turnovers, but the games where they didn't force turnovers, the defense was a problem. So it's, I think if you can consistently stop the pass week in and week out, you're setting yourselves up to, to, to be in position to win ballgames. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. And it, there's, it's a little worrisome about what you lost on that defensive line, uh, knowing the success you had against the run. But you have a lot of guys in the back part that can really come up and stop the run. And they're known as run stoppers, uh, guys that have played well against the run that can also play well against the pass. You have a lot of young defensive linemen uh, that I think come training camp. is going to be very interesting to see. We've talked a lot about it on the defensive tackle spot. You know, who, who's going to step forward to replace, you know, two, two stalwarts from last year's squad. So I think there's a lot to look at, but I, I, it's always fascinating because we talk about offense and needing to be balanced, but what is balance on defense? What does that look like? And what does that really mean? And, um, I, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, this is a pass happy league, but you still have to be able to stop the run when it matters, especially in a close game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And you look back at last year, I mean, there was one game that stands out in particular that the Browns lost because they weren't stopping the run. And that was the Raiders game midway through the season. Cause no one was throwing the ball well, but the Raiders kept getting first downs on the ground and really just dominate time of possession, total plays, all that stuff like that. The Ravens games, it's always like, we got to be better at stopping the run, but who's stopping the run against the Ravens? Like it's, it's the, the plays you remember against the Ravens that, that beat you, those are through the air. Uh, so it, I think you just, if you improve the area against the pass and hold your own as a run defense, you don't have, I don't think you have to be a top 10 run defense to be a good defense in, in the league anymore, but just be better against the pass consistently make it difficult for teams to throw the ball like much like Tampa Bay made it difficult for Kansas city to do what they want to do in the super bowl. I mean, I think that's your key to success uh, as a defense and really setting up your offense for, for the best opportunities. Cause you know, you, you feel like you're in good hands with your offense is getting off the field 
with your defense. And usually getting off the field on third downs, that means you're stopping the pass. Yeah, no question about it. A guy that uh, could be counted on to shore up that defensive tackle position is Tommy Togiai, the defensive tackle out of Ohio State, fourth-round pick by your Cleveland Browns. He had a few minutes coming off of the practice field after OTAs. He joined Gribble and I. Have a watch and have a listen. And here on the best podcast available, episode number 16, Jay Forbes, Andrew Gribble, joined by our fourth-round draft pick and happy to have him, Tommy Togiai from The Ohio State University, in town, still here, part of practice, a much scaled-back practice and OTA session. Tommy, appreciate a few minutes of your time. What have these past Eh, probably week and a half, two weeks been like for you since you heard your name called uh, on the podium? I mean, they've been, I mean, kind of just like a re- wheel of emotions. It's kind of like exciting and then also a little bit of like nerves and all that kind of hitting me. But, I mean, once I got up here to Cleveland, kind of all the nerves kind of just went away and it just the excitement kind of kicked in. Like it's here. This is the moment I've been waiting for pretty much all my life. It's like my dream. So just trying to stay in the moment, keep my head down, keep working and keep focused. How unique was that opportunity at rookie minicamp when there was really such a small amount of guys to work with? And how good was that one-on-one uh, instruction you were able to get? No, it was definitely like an advantage just to have. I mean, I mean, there's only uh, three other D-linemen besides me that were working with Coach Kiff. And then, so, I mean, just to take advantage of that, like one-on-one time, really getting getting the like plays down and everything and then really getting technique-wise down. So that just fo- taking full advantage of that one-on-one time with Coach Kiff and Coach uh, J.G., all right, what do you first impression of Coach Kiffin and, and Coach JG? Uh, I mean, they're great guys. They're, I mean, they love to have fun, but and they're also, I mean, they love the coach. They're passionate. I know I could tell, like, already from the first day I met them, like, they're very passionate about their jobs and about football. I mean, they're proud to be D line coaches. And I'm really, I mean, I'm glad and excited to be able to be coached by them and learn as much as I can from them. And I know you guys get, did some on field work at, at the, the rookie mini camp, but what was some of the off-field stuff that that was valuable for for you during that during that time period? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so we've had yeah a lot of virtual meetings so far, uh, especially even before I got out here, we had uh, virtual meetings before, just one on one time, pretty much just getting me incorporated to like the playbook and all that, the philosophy of the line room and all that. Stuff. Talking with Tommy Togi, our fourth round draft pick out of the Ohio State University. Uh, When you take a look at this defense, obviously a lot of new faces, not just from the draft class side of things, but through free agency and whatnot. Have you gotten a chance to talk to a lot of the guys on this football team through the virtual meetings? Yeah, just kind of briefly, everyone, I mean, introduce myself to all the guys that are, yeah, part of the squad now in the D-line room and then kind of just going over. I mean, yeah, since it can't really be in person right now, so just a virtual meeting. So I haven't met him, like, really just kind of briefly stuff, talk to him a little bit. A guy like Marvin Wilson, has he been on your radar for a while now? I mean, you guys are both highly touted defensive line recruits. I mean, is that someone you, you've known of for a while now? Yeah, so I probably – I mean, I've heard of – I've never met him, like, until, like, now, but, I mean, I've always heard of Marvin Wilson. Man, I think a lot of people knew him just, I mean, what he did at Florida State and everything. But now I've gotten to know him a little bit more these past couple of weeks and then in meetings, on the field and stuff, and we're getting to know each other pretty well. You're the three or four guys that were working at rookie minicamp. 
were stunning to watch because we know about what you can do, especially, you know, from a strength standpoint and how you're built. Marvin Harrison's built a little differently, but he's still a big guy. You got Malik McDowell, who's in North, might be one of the biggest men tall wise and at, at a defensive line position I've ever seen. What's it been like working with all, all of you guys? And, you know, have you guys gotten a chance to have a little fun and, and let loose a little bit to get to know each other a little bit better? Man, we kind of, yeah, just getting to know each other just because we're kind of in like that same boat. Like we're all kind of, so we kind of help each other out too. Like we're all like trying to study through the plays, get the plays right. We want each like all of us to succeed. So we're always trying to help each other out as best we can. And Tommy, I know you signed your contract last Friday and, and just seeing the comments on Instagram and things like that, it seems like Browns fans are really excited about you being with the team, but the, the factor that you played at Ohio state, like just kind of takes it to another level. What is it like so far being a Cleveland Browns player that also played at Ohio state and the, the, the how those two kind of go together? Man, this, this is great. I mean, you can see like, yeah, just from that, like that post and stuff that on social media, like I can feel the love from like Ohio state fans still carry over to some Cleveland Browns fans. And then even if they're not Cleveland Browns fans, they're still showing love. So, I mean, just I love the state of Ohio, Columbus, Cleveland. Excited to be here. Talking with Tommy Togiai, fourth-round draft pick out of the Ohio State University. All right, best pizza place in Columbus? Place in Columbus? Uh, probably the best one I had is probably Adriatico's. That's probably my favorite. You cannot Columbus. go wrong with that, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's probably my favorite in Columbus. All right. Is there a go-to? Is there another food? Is there another go-to that that you uh, enjoy down there? Uh, the one another place I like it. They have it here too. Is Town Hall. I like Town Hall a lot, actually. So Town Hall is a good spot. You should go there a lot in Columbus. Man, now that you know, I'll go to the one in Cleveland now. So yeah, now that was another spot I would go to a lot with my teammates. So and just kind of building off that with the Ohio State thing. I mean, what? it's been early obviously with your town at the Browns, but what, what is Ohio state doing? That's getting so many of these guys, people like you ready for the NFL and, and what kind of advantage have you kind of felt having gone to a program like that? I think it's just the culture over there. Uh, coach day. Uh, I mean, that's been there and then coach day has still like instilled. Uh, so, I mean, the culture is different there than anywhere else in the country, the strength program, the coaches, and then they recruit only like certain type of players. Uh, I don't think everyone, I mean, can play there. And I think that's just kind of the mindset you have to have going to Ohio State. And that's kind of just different culture-wise. You have to put your head down, get to work, and you might not play your first year. That's like kind of the mindset. And they develop you into the player you, and then once you're ready, I mean, to enter the draft and stuff and where you are. Was that the biggest selling point in go, coming to Ohio State? I mean, you, you, you're out in Idaho, you, you're a, a highly touted player, highly recruited player. What what was the selling point from Ohio State side of things? Yeah, so it was like a couple of things. One was Coach Johnson. I mean, best D-line coach in the country right there. So I wanted to be coached by the best. And also, yeah, like they're talking to me and saying, if you come here, you're, you're going to get challenged. And that's like one thing I wanted to prove to myself. I wanted to be challenged, challenge myself to go somewhere. Uh, I mean, from the West Coast, go somewhere farther east, try and challenge myself playing wise and then also like schooling wise and all that I wanted to be challenged to be able to go to a program where I knew I was going to get better. You know, going back to those times, you know, you obviously were a highly regarded recruit for, for years before you, you committed to Ohio state. 
was it a tough decision for you to kind of make that leap and go across the country? Or was that something you had to kind of wrestle with uh, leading up to that decision? Yeah, no, it definitely was a tough decision just being, I mean, I don't think a lot of people underestimate how, like, how much pressure it is, like, these high school recruits kind of go through. So there's, like, so many coaches trying to talk to you every day in and out. You just feel that so much pressure. So, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, just that pressure. But also, I mean, I was excited to be blessed to be able to be in that position. But, yeah, just kind of going back and forth with my family, leaning on my family and praying and all that. And then ultimately, yeah, I made the right decision. All right. Your father, professional rugby player in Samoa. Older brother TJ played defensive tackle at Carroll College. And your maternal grandfather, football and basketball player. Between the four of you, who's the best athlete? So, <laughs> I think right now, I'll say myself right now. I mean, <laughs> my brother always tries to challenge me here and there with stuff. But I mean, we have fun with it. We still I mean, we play basketball every once in a while, play football, like run around and everything. We do a lot of stuff in my family because my family is really competitive. So it's good to have fun with those things. Did you try to play rugby at all? Did you want to – do that or was that even possible uh, up in uh, yeah so it wasn't really big back in idaho i like we played it like when we go visit my cousins and stuff on my dad's side of the family we, we, we played a couple times and stuff like that but i didn't really get big into it just because yeah it wasn't really i mean popular yeah where i was from and there wasn't no like leagues and stuff like that talking with tommy togiai fourth round draft pick out of the ohio state university same high school as Taysom hill am i correct on this yeah, same high school as Taysom Hill, yeah. Nine-year nine difference, obviously, from an age standpoint. But did, did, did he come back? Has he come back at all when you were there? Or Yeah, so I've, I think I've only, like, met him. I think I've met him once and then maybe, like, talked to him twice on, like, a phone call or whatever. But, yeah, I've only met him, like, once in person. And then just what, what, about, what about the culture there in Idaho kind of – helped you get to this point? Was it, was it, is it maybe underrated in terms of a football state or places to, to become a great football player? What, what do you tell people about that? Yeah, I think it is a little underrated just from football. Maybe a lot of people, yeah, don't know. There's some good athletes all over the country. Don't matter if small town, big town, big city, don't matter. But I think, yeah, it's underestimated and everything like that. But I think you can find players, yeah, anywhere. All right, we'll, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, video game standpoint if you could play call of duty or madden you're stuck on an island you only can pick one video game what are you picking i'm hearing you're a gamer so that's why yeah yeah i think i'd have to go with call of duty just because there's different types of modes i can play with that more than madden would have me even though i mean this next year madden i'll be my first time maybe being in it so that would be kind of cool so i mean it'd be a tough decision but i think i'd have to go with call of duty because i could still on my headset play with my I mean, my friends and family like that. Tommy, really quick, tell me about the the T-shirt you wore when you you signed officially with the Browns. Oh, I know a lot of people didn't drink that. It's, it's a Dragon Ball Z T-shirt. It's like Dragon Ball Z uh, Super. Is that what that one's like? Basically, that series is called. Yeah, so that was kind of I know it's kind of funny to see like all the people that were commenting just on my T-shirt that I wore. So it was kind of cool. And you know, Miles is obviously a big fan as well, right? Yeah, no, I've heard about that. He's a big anime fan. That's fantastic. This has been great. Appreciate it. If you if, if you get some downtime, I don't think – did you go to Cedar Point last weekend? No, I did not. You must go to Cedar Point. Do you like roller coasters? Do you like heights? 
Yeah, no, I do like roller coasters, so I'll have to check that out. All right. It is the roller coast capital of the world. You gotta you gotta go and you gotta check that out if you get a little downtime. I know it's the days are few and far between, but uh yeah. And there's some really good pizza places here in town as well. We'll get you up to speed on those a little bit later. Appreciate a few minutes of your time. Good luck with everything. And we hope to talk with you again soon. All the best and uh, continued success, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Tommy Togiai for a few minutes of his time. Very busy. He's got a lot being thrown at him, a lot being expected of the young man from the Ohio State University. Gribbs, uh, your takeaways from one Tommy Togiai. Yeah, I mean, I think he, it, it seems he's got a full grasp of the situation he's entering. And, I, and you asked earlier about what's the most improved position on the roster and outmost safety. Clearly, defensive tackle is the one that experienced the most change. And I, I think that he is at, at the center of that change. And, and you wonder what was going through his head. He gets drafted. He's like, wow, I'm joining a team with only four defensive tackles. And then you keep adding guys to the room, and it's all of a sudden like, wow, you know, I, it, this is going to, I'm not just a draft pick that's going to get on the field. I got to earn my way onto it. And, you know, he, he, he's, he's experienced that at Ohio state, which I think is a good thing that he knows that, you know, you're entering a situation where there's a lot of talent around you. Uh, so, but I do think he has an opportunity to, to play. And I think he fits that mold of what we were just talking about defensively with, you know, he can, he can do a little bit of both as a defensive tackle. He's not just a run stopper, not just a pass rusher at that position. So he could fit the mold versatility-wise of what this team wants at that position. Yeah, it's just – and I mentioned it to him, but like three different guys, three different body types in Malik McDowell, Tommy Togiai, and Marvin Wilson. Three different guys in the way that they suit up and play the game. And just fascinating to watch them. Those guys were fun to watch at rookie minicamp just to see how big they are and the different approaches that they took. Uh, to everything and it's going to be fascinating to see how those three work out when training camp starts yeah unfortunately for them they got three guys in there they could get a little breather between the drills I mean they were the the most crowded bunch out there I mean I think that and that's just going to be the norm moving forward but I, you, you mentioned the, the body types thing it seems like when you look at this group the only one that's maybe known as a notorious run stuffer the big, huge, big defensive tackle is, is a guy like Andrew Billings. And and we haven't even seen what, what he looks like now after a year away from football, but definitely a, a shift. If you could see in the, in what maybe the team is looking for at that position. Yeah. We thank him for a few minutes of his time. Want to get your thoughts on a couple other things uh, around the league as it pertains to, to post draft. Did, did you see the Jags draft board and, and how certain things weren't blocked out? overreaction by us in the media or I you know I did I saw it and I don't it's probably an overreaction because I don't know if we have a fair understanding of what those numbers mean I, I think because I, I think you know a couple of years ago I think we got let in the draft room media wise and you look around at stuff and you think you know what they mean but then it was explained to you and you're like oh that means something completely different than what I thought it what I assumed it was so I'm not going to overreact to any of these. And also it's all these guys are drafted. It's hay in the barn at this point. So it's, 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 it's definitely less intriguing. Uh, I do want to know if I guess what Trevor Lawrence was an eight. I, I want to know what a 10 looks like. Cause I thought that that was the, as, as sure of a, he, he was as sure of a thing as we've seen in, in a long time. So that, that means uh, if, if, if Trevor Lawrence really is an eight and that's what it, it's supposed to mean, then NFL teams, grade players like that, 
professor nightmare professor you had in college that wasn't giving A's to anyone at the end. Yeah, had a few of those. Still angry, yeah. Still angry <laughs> about that. Yeah. By the way, too, you know, Jalen Waddle having the same grade as Trevor Lawrence. Jalen Waddle is a hell of a player. <laughs> like, I mean, okay maybe that's graded that much. Maybe you're not factoring in position. Like, maybe Jalen Waddle is just as good of a wide receiver as Trevor Lawrence is as a quarterback. Like, it, it, there's so many things, and honestly, it could mean something completely different that that has nothing to do with their abilities at all. I and mean, it's just, it's a, it's strange, but clearly we, we know how these shows are vetted uh, internally from our things. If they were uncomfortable with these numbers getting out, then they would have certainly blocked them. So clearly they were comfortable with, with those seeing the light of day. All right. What first year head coach quarterback combo will have more success this season, urban Meyer with Trevor Lawrence or Robert Sala with Zach Wilson. Man, this is a tough one because it's like, I think I believe more in Robert Sala, the coach, than I do Urban at the NFL level, but I'd certainly believe way more in Trevor Lawrence than I do in Zach Wilson. So I, I'm going to lean on the guy that's actually on the field. So I'm, I'm, I, I'll buy all the Trevor Lawrence stock if it's still at a, at a good price, just because I, I think it, he's he's probably got better playmakers around him in Jacksonville this year. Uh, with I mean, they draft a running back, which you can quibble with that as a long-term strategy all you want, but short-term, he immediately gets a, a great running back that can help him out. They've got good wide receivers that they've uh, added in Jacksonville. I, I think the Jets as an offense are probably a year away uh, from, from being something you you, you want to reckon with in, in the AFC. So I, I think the Jackson Jaguars are probably, I think both teams are going to stink, but I think the Jacksonville is going to have a better offense probably uh, this year. The, the team that they're, they're drafting first and second for a reason. They're drafting quarterbacks for a reason. It's not year one where they're going to take off from a win loss perspective, but I, I like, I, I'll, I'll take the guy that was the prize prospect for all these years. I, I, I'll, I'll bet on him. Gotcha. Julio Jones. Where's he playing week one? <laughs> I guess not on? Atlanta. I mean, I guess that's the, that's the one guess. I mean, Atlanta has, I, I've, I've read that they don't want to trade him in the NFC. I mean, come on, like just take the best offer you can. I mean, it's, it's football. It's not like baseball. You're playing these are 22 sometimes a year. And I think you got to take the best offer, but I guess if they're looking for a first round pick, which is, is seems like a a big ask, I guess, but I'll, I'll just say he's going to be playing for a major contender. Cause I think if I'm a team that, you know, is in a position to even afford Julio and have a need at wide receiver, you know, the, maybe the first round pick doesn't sound as bad because you're like, well, we're going to be picking 31st or third, you know, you, you hope you're picking later to begin with. I liked the the thought of San Francisco. I mean, that, that, that was some, something that was intriguing to me. You've got the, the Shanahan connection there as well. I think the 49ers could get better at wide receiver. I think that's the best fit. Now the, the team I don't want to see him with is like the chiefs or something like that. That's I, I I'd be happy Let's encourage the Falcons to keep him in the NFC. I, I think that's, that that would that that's what I'm trying to, to get at this because I there's some contenders in the AFC I don't want to see Julio Jones on because I, I even though his long term situation might not be the best from a contract standpoint the guy can still play and and he's someone that can really upgrade an offense immediately uh, if he if he's able to join him this season. Yeah. No question. Yeah. The, the Chargers were the team that came to my mind just because I know how much salary cap. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great combination. I mean him with Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert. I mean that's a loaded offense, and that's, I mean that's the team that 
was probably not as bad as the record indicated was last year and is poised to be a, an immediate contender this year. And a team that I was not excited to see on the Browns schedule next year. I mean, there's someone that's a dangerous, I believe it's week five game the Browns have. I mean, that's that's no gimme. I mean, that's 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 a good team that that's going to be coming to Cleveland. Or no, we're going there. So we're going there. Yes. Yeah, so that's hopefully it's a Friday trip and not a Saturday trip. Yeah, one of one of the first games there with fans probably. So that's that's uh, that'll be a tough place to go play. Yeah, no question about it. All right, that's just a quick look around the NFL. Some of the stories making headlines and the latest from Berea. If you like this podcast, make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch all of our episodes uh, the past few weeks, uh, including our interview with Demetric Felton, uh, our interview, uh, I believe, with Chad O'Shea we had a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. if I'm correct. Yeah, Chad O'Shea joined us a few weeks ago. All that and more by logging on to youtube.com slash Browns. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work all the time. Thanks to Tommy Togiai for Andrew Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.